0: Welcome into another edition of On Bills. I'm your host, Kevin Misery. he with co-host Jason Shannon. How you doing today, Jason? I'm doing great today, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. Does so it feel good to finally have some people back when you're talking the draft?
1: Oh, yeah. Last week was, you know, it was illuminating to uh, talk about all the linebackers by myself. But you know what? I think I got some good stuff out there. But I'm glad that I have my co-host. Good.
0: And I mean, really we're coupling off of a offensive line breakdown. You guys did earlier this week, um, where we were checked out podcast out where we break down, uh, each of our offensive line positions, talk about tackle a little bit, talk about interior offensive line a little bit. And today we're going to get into the draftable prospects and the top of the interior line class. Really. We're going to focus on six guys and um, and a position group that's interesting. If the Bills stamp hat, maybe there's not a lot we'll do here, but these guys are good enough to where it could change the Bills' mind quickly to where, hey, let's make a move away from one of their current offensive linemen to go grab one of these guys who it's a pretty solid class for the interior, which sometimes cannot have a player drafted to the third round. But this year, it looks like there's going to be six top 50 picks. So uh, starting at center position, as I think it's right now, obviously the Bills you know, glaring need on the offensive line as long as they have Glenn. Um, you know, starting with Arkansas and
1: Frank Ragnall, what 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 can you tell us about Frank? So Frank's probably, in, in my opinion, the most interesting of these prospects. I've seen him ranked sort of all over, sometimes as high as the first center, sometimes uh, third or fourth. His deal is that he had an injury last year um, in October that took him out for the rest of the year, an ankle injury. But before then, had really just lined up. Um, an amazing array of starts Uh, didn't give up a sack in for two straight years in 2015 and 2016 Uh, and that was playing guard and playing center and I've been hearing a stat I think it came from pro football focus that he did not allow a pressure in 2016 did not let a guy even sniff the quarterback which is pretty astounding Um, but it doesn't always come down to uh, you know sort of stats like that. A lot of it has to do with physical things, A, with the injury, and B, people think that maybe he has a little bit of athleticism concerns. Um, centers are required to play with a certain amount of athleticism, get to the second level, uh, reach guys, you know, help in different areas. So people are going to be watching that. Um, but from what I saw, I think he gets to the second level pretty good. He has very good awareness. He just always looks like he's in control. And obviously with those stats that he had from the previous years, it definitely, um, definitely bears that out. I would say my only other concern, too, is uh, you know, 6'5 is a really good height for him. Uh, I've seen him listed at about 315, but I would say he doesn't look like a, a hulking type of guy. So I, I do think that scouts are going to be looking at him if he has the, the physical capabilities and ability to do it, but from his play, I I don't think there's a better center in this draft.
0: Right. And he's got the versatility that a team like the bills could be looking for. I mean, he he was a starter at right guard as a sophomore. He's a size to be a guard or a center. He's a big guy. Um, You you know, he's one of the bigger guys in the class. Uh, So he can play both of those. He actually started 26 straight times um, prior to the injury too. So, you know, he's a player that beside this one ankle injury that, you know, required surgery he was relatively healthy he's played obviously at playing at Arkansas he plays really strong competition with that position versatility um, you throw him in there and you know Juan Castillo can do whatever he wants with this type of player um, that might only cost we'll see but he could you know probably going to be a second round pick so um, you know you have a player right there that you could really utilize I mean a guy that you know like you mentioned didn't allow of pressure uh, didn't allow a sack plays top competition he's not coming out of a small conference he's a guy it yeah, the translate. defensive tackles and the SEC yeah, are translates.
1: definitely going to test you.
0: Yeah, it translates as well as anything in any position group. If you draft the right center guard, even sometimes sometimes tackle uh, that that can translate very quickly because you're used to really strong competition. And the guy I'd, I'd like the Bills to get a hold of. I mean, think of it this way: the Bills are sixth um, with Eric Wood on cap center cap. Six in the NFL uh, with Ryan Groy there, you know, you're bumping up to the top three paying centers. You got to be careful here. A second round pick would alleviate that issue of cap. Um, you know, as they're making somewhere in you know 1.8, 1.7, uh, depending on which you know second round pick you use. So, you know, that's that's a lot of money savings, especially when you have so much money tied up. Even if Eric Wood doesn't play, he's going to count a significant amount on the cap. Sixth, the Bills' uh, cap player Eric Wood is a sixth in line highest paid player and seventh center in the NFL once again. So, got to be careful there at the position that you're not allocating too much money to that center group, um, and and, uh, leaving with a guy like you know taking a second round pick like Frank Ragnow from Arkansas. Six five three nineteen is what I have him at, um, you know, could really, really help with the cap and, and really help you make decisions um, when really all you have at that unit right now is, is Ryan Groy. Uh, getting into a little bit of Billy Price from Ohio State, another just worker, Six four three twelve. What What can you tell us about Billy?
1: Yeah, he's definitely, you know, I, with the three centers that we're about to talk about, I think it's some, it's kind of a uh, choose your own uh, sort of which which scheme you would like the guy for. Uh, Billy Price is definitely a a power run sort of player, you know, gap scheme rather than zone. Uh, he's an above average athlete, but where he's really going to make his money is apparently he is just a powerhouse and he shows great strength. Um, you know, the movement skills are there. They're not going to move him to guard. I think he's through and through going to be a center. Uh, people say he's a great teammate. He had 50, 55 straight starts at Ohio state, which is, you know, your whole career, um, And uh, availability is, is, is huge. And even a guy like Eric Wood, who had injuries throughout his career, um, having the guy on the field helps a lot. So this is really a a power guy. And there are people, there are scouts saying that his combine, his combine might be unbelievable in the strength numbers, as far as they think he might be able to put up 40 plus bench reps, uh, which is just a real, real powerful guy. And, The way the way him and James Daniels, who we'll get to next, and Frank Rag now, I've seen them all in sort of different orders. But I've heard, you know, I listen to a lot of of the draft podcasts, try to get, you know, as much information as I can from the scouts who see these guys. And I've heard all three of those guys at separate times by separate people be talked about as like the best center they've seen in five, ten years. So I think it just it comes down to personal preference with some of these guys, but I do think that Billy Price, if there's a team with a center need, he could be looking at a, a a late first round pick.
0: Yeah, and everyone's saying about late first, early second, depending on what he does here in the combine and in maybe pro day. Um, and, and and a lot of people are saying, well, a lot of scouts are saying that if if you know his partners and Blake and Tomlinson and Josh Garnett, uh, you know went in the first round, then he definitely should be going in the first round too. So uh, he's a well balanced player, like you said, he's a power guy do you think that he would fit a Brian Dable scheme?
1: It depends how much they're going to change it. I don't think it would have fit Rick Dennison's scheme, but I do think uh, if they're going to switch some things around and maybe use McCoy in a different way and maybe use the run game in a different way, which it, it looks like they may do that, I, I think Billy Price could fit in. But I think you may see a lot of... If they do draft one of these guys, I think you might see what their sort of mindset is going to be. Because if you draft a Billy Price, I think we're going to see so a little more straight ahead, you know, pounding the rock sort of stuff.
0: Right. It could be telling. And they're definitely going to choose the kind of guy. I think that the problem I have with Price is that he might, uh, you know, he might elevate himself up into top 25 just to a range we don't really want to play in at a center position, uh, especially with the cap that we already have allocated and then assets potentially allocated. I think sure. that they'll probably more look in the second round, right?
1: Yeah. And I, I don't think that any of these guys, I think they're all elite center prospects. Everybody we're going to talk about right now, I think wouldn't be crazy to go in the first round. But I think if you consider the quarterbacks that are moving up, the really high end running backs, who are going to be in this draft guys are going to get pushed down, moved around. Nothing would surprise me. So I do think that any of these guys could be first or second round or, you know, could be third round picks. You go all draft season where Derek Rivers is a mid to late first round pick and then he goes to New England in the third round last year. So it just depends on the talent around. Obviously the combine is going to matter. The pro days are going to matter, but I, I wouldn't rule out these guys being available in the second round. And I think Price is another one of those guys, but I would say of the three, centers that we're talking about I think I've seen him listed the highest most often yeah and a lot of people are saying
0: he could definitely with some offseason stuff here definitely push himself into the top 25 so let's talk about the third guy the guy that we've you know kind of talked about a little bit throughout each of these conversations is from Iowa James Daniels 64295, 295 and I another Iowa offensive lineman um, what do you like from James Daniels
1: yeah I mean that Iowa really just produces them. And he is another one in the long line of Iowa offensive lineman. I think he's solid all around. I think he's a good pass blocker. I think he's a good run blocker. The thing that people really like about him is that he can really move and he gets to the linebackers with ease. He gets his reaches with ease. Um, Definitely the biggest athlete of the three. Um, The problem is going to be that, right. He, people just said he, played at like 290, 295 last year, and he's not going to be able to get away with that. So how much does he lose that movement ability if he gains 20 pounds and he's at the same weight as a guy like Price or Ragnow? Does he lose that? People say that he has elite movement right now, but I don't think he's going to be able to play in the NFL in the 290s. I could be wrong. Um, I think he's definitely of the three guys uh the one that would have fit on this team last year with the zone blocking i think uh he would he would have been great for that but for this team right now if they're really going to be uh you know switching philosophies i wonder if maybe a rag now would be uh, Ragnow, a better yeah. choice for that and i think rag now is probably more likely to be available in the second round you obviously have to worry about those injury concerns But I've seen Daniels anywhere in the first round or the second round. I saw a, I think it's Daniel Jeremiah draft. He's the guy I've seen that's the highest on him. I think he took him at like 23. Um, So that's a possibility. But I I also think he's a guy that could be around in the second round.
0: Right. And Daniels, you know, once again, to kind of couple your conversation here, you know, he is basically... One of the most solid players all around. I mean, he's not going to do anything super well, but just his hands. So, his hands and his ability to sustain blocks are what I was reading is the number one thing that sets him apart. And both of those things translate. Those are the things that I'm like worried about with other tackle prospects who don't have good hands, can't sustain block, kind of just really rely on their, you know, their weight and their size. But Daniels yeah. is used to being able to play at this size. And that usually translates to me, uh, especially at the center position where you can get
1: away with being, you know, a little bit undersized, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean if there's any position for it, it's gonna be center. I don't think it's a thing that's going to kill him, but it's certainly a question he's gonna answer or gonna to have to answer to. And I think when he goes into the combine you might see a guy who's weighing three oh five at that yep. point. Yep. Uh yep. just yep. to yep. just to sort of answer those questions. But he's six four, he's got the good frame. Uh and he also started all three years. Uh I think he was a captain for the team. He's definitely a guy that a lot of doesn't have a lot of question marks.
0: Right. Those intangibles, those, you know, nothing jumps out to you on film, but I mean he does everything so well and I think he's got an NFL future, I really do. I think he's got a long, you know, you'll see him on a team here for I think he's a 10-year center, but we'll see how, you know, we'll see what happens. Um uh, my favorite guy out, out of the center group is Frank Ragnar. I think he could fit this scheme. He just does everything right if he's healthy. Um I really would love to you know try my best to grab him in the second round and the Bills do have a need at center a little bit more at this point than you know the guards that we'll get into now. You know so let's let's talk about those guards a little bit here and and one that that you know will start kind of at, at a at a hybrid to me um and then transition into more of the the top end guards. You know Isaiah wins a guy that plays center, guard, tackle is all over the place depending on what scout you talk to. You know kind of how does Daniel you know how does Wynn compare to some of these guys like Daniels? Can he play center? Um you know, do you see him as more of a guard You know, kind of, kind of talk about Isaiah Wynn.
1: Yeah. So he didn't really have any history of playing center, but people think that he might be able to project there. Uh, the, the thing with Wynn, he, he did a great job playing tackle uh, for Georgia. He also played guard there, but I think last, you know, he was last seen playing tackle. Um, yeah. 2017, 2016 was a guard. Uh, people just don't think that he's going to be able to play tackle in the NFL. He's at 6'2", 302 um, is what I've seen him listed at. People, He just doesn't have the long enough arms or sort of those characteristics that you want in a bookend tackle. But he does everything well, and he's probably more of a run blocker, which, again, I think maybe makes guard more of a realistic possibility. But we'll have to see in the combine – because the way he three cones and forties and all of that might make the difference between whether people see him as a center. And I think people might want him to play center just based on his size, but they're going to have to see the athleticism and see if he's able to do that. If not, I think he's going to be a perfectly capable run blocker, but I, I've seen him listed at the, the center guard tackle sort of slashes. And I, I just don't think it's going to happen at tackle uh, for him in the NFL.
0: I've seen him everywhere from like 25th overall to like 50th overall. Um, You know, kind of what range do you see him in?
1: I think he is late first, early second. I think the versatility is going to help him. And I think the fact that he's just very solid, I think he had a good senior bowl too. Um, I wasn't really paying attention to him that week because we really weren't there yet. But I I think people see him as sort of the solid starter level. And if people feel comfortable, you know comfortable that he can play guard and that's his position I do think probably second or third guard off the board is probably where he's looking yeah and he did definitely had a good senior boy about all things that I remember reading
0: um and, and have continued to read and he has that I think the number one thing just like a couple of these other guys they just have the temperament to play the position and you're gonna get a couple of really solid starters out of this class out of all the you know out of the four guys we've talked to I mean you might get three out of four of these guys who are going to be long-term guard center options um, for their team. So that's just, to me, when you're spending a second-round pick, and I know it's not a sexy pick, but to, to get a five- or six- or eight-year right guard or right tackle, even not a guy like Wynn, I mean, these guys could be very valuable. Um, and, and Wynn's going to, like you mentioned, he's going to get a bonus for being able to step in at right tackle in a pinch or something if someone goes down. I've seen him draw comparisons uh, to Calvin Beecham, who's a guy that, you know, carved out a tackle, actually playing left tackle um, at this at the same size. So if he has some athleticism, he can play left tackle. I don't know what these scouts are, but they definitely think he's a center um, just because, you know, he's athletic and, you know, teams could potentially need center. But having that versatility to where you able to play the, you know, at least two, three, four positions, like a Ryan Groy kind of, you know,
1: that's yeah. teams. Oh love. yeah, they value it. You, you don't were, have you to know. keep another on a player. No, I mean, you, you know, you get to, Place having an offensive lineman on game day, and to have a guy that gets to move around like that, uh, I think is really valuable. Roster spots are valuable. Game day spots are valuable. So, yes. uh, not that you'd be drafting him in the late first, early mid second to be to, your sixth guy, but to be your sixth guy. But no, it does help when your sixth guy, you know, gets to move into his position and he gets to kick out. Yeah, I and mean, even if he's a
0: starter at the position group, that still he can cover in, in, in a pinch for the other position groups if there is an injury there. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes him. I and you know, have a guy like Wynn you have a guy like Groy. You, like you know, the Bills had ten or eleven offensive linemen last year, which is more than I can remember. him. they had a lot of specialists. You know, Duke Cost can only play one position. You know, John Miller can really only play one position. Um, so you had a lot of specialists, and it apparently, you know, you know, Glenn can't flip over. So I mean, you had a lot of specialists that you know really do only play one position on this line. So having a guy like Win and Groy. Uh, could turn out to be very valuable when only maybe only needed to keep eight now instead of 10. Um, That's the two positions you can use on your special teams that you seem to want to keep players at anyways, or keep another receiver or running back um, that, you know, that rush spot becomes very, very valuable. So he's, he's a really good guy to talk about Isaiah win, follow him as you know the draft process goes on getting into some of the higher end guys. You know, obviously we'll start at the top from, you know, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, six, five to three I've seen him as high as top three, um, Bills probably won't have a shot at this guy, nor would they want to spend an asset.
1: Um, How do you feel about a top five guard? He's pretty good. And you have to be, I would say, I think he might be getting boosted a little bit just based on the fact that especially tackle, like people just don't see a tackle right now, really in that top 15, I think it might happen just based on need. But I think it's a much weaker tackle class than normal. And I think that, uh scouts and your media people kind of shift focus and when they see a guy who's just by far the best lineman in the draft uh, that really pushes them up so a team that might have a tackle and a guard need or needs to move some guys around might just say I'm just going to take the the Pro Bowl guard because uh, just the way he moves and his power and just how stable he is I I think I haven't seen a guard graded out this high in a really long time from most people. And most people think that he's better than your, as a prospect, maybe not today, but better than your DeCastro's or your Shurfs or Logan Mankins. They really see this guy as the real deal. I don't think I would ever feel happy about taking a top three guard. And I I just don't see any way that he slips out of the top 10. I think three might be hyperbole because I think, once teams get down to it, they're going to say, well, we really just, we need to take the quarterback or we need to take a Bradley Chubb or, you know, the, the dynamism of a Roquan Smith or Jermaine Edmonds, but I don't see him falling down too far.
0: Yeah. And he's dominant. And how did Nelson, how do you live up to your like billing? Like, how can you be better than mangan's And 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 if you are like, if you just play slightly worse, and everyone thinks you're a bust, even though you might be a really good right guard for a long time. And he, to me, he's got the makings of a guy that's definitely going to switch teams when he might not live up to like the best guard ever to play the sport. Right? Like that's kind of like if you take him in the top five, that's kind of what you're almost saying. But it's almost got to yeah. be a team like Cleveland who has a first and a you know first the first overall pick and the fourth overall pick that would be like let's just solidify our final, you know, they already have a solid offensive line actually in Cleveland. It would be like a solid right. offensive line to Adam is their final piece. Being able to take the guy they want at one, you know, Saquon Barkley or whatever, and then taking Nelson and right. Wouldn't that be kind of the scenario?
1: I've seen a lot of people say Indy is a possibility just because people are scared to death of keeping Andrew Luck on his feet. I do think that's a smart thing to do, but I also don't think that one guard is a culture changer as far as that goes and a team that's like pretty bereft of talent I don't think they can afford to do that
0: no they, they don't have the luxury to put a guard on that roster like Cleveland has a ton of picks that they're gonna have a first overall pick to solidify another position they actually do have a solid offensive line They could be another off you know one offensive lineman away from being a really good group that to me is the makings of it because then you can go make offer with your picks but a team that doesn't have anything going on, you're going to plug, it's like, kind of like Joe Thomas of the past. You're going to plug in one offensive lineman and, and, and change anything. I
1: don't right. know. Joe, Joe Thomas was, was one of the all-time greats and that didn't help them get to the playoffs at all. Not once, not once. So it, it's, it's very interesting to look at that. I think a lot of people look at offensive linemen. And when you see them in the top 10 or top 12, they say, all right, this is a guarantee, but it's really got a failure rate of just about any other position. Uh, Wouldn't you just look in your histories, so like Robert, you, you... Robert galleries or anybody, exactly. the Rams drafted or, you know, those things aren't guarantees, but I will say that I think a lot of those guys, if you look at like a Greg Robinson, um, right. He was the bust, the number two overall pick for the Rams. And he was just seen very much as a project. Also the other guy from Baylor, they did a really bad job drafting tackles, but, um, You know, those are seen as project type guys, and I do think that Nelson is much further along. I think most people consider him to be a guy that's going to compete for a Pro Bowl and have that sort of reputation right away, as you know, one of the best guards in the division or the conference or wherever he ends up going. I I think that's the only way you get into the top three, and I do think that that's very real. Right,
0: and just the risk reward's not there. I mean, you're you're banking on a guy being Logan Mankins or better. And just to me, unless you start getting him down in that 10 to 20 range, which makes me feel a little bit better, um, I, I just don't ever think he can live up to it. Like you're just needing him to be one of the best guards in the NFL currently and maybe ever to justify that pick risk first, reward. Guards a position you can find switch a tackle to and make him serviceable. Even like Greg Robinson can switch to guard and you know play it fine. You can find them in third and fourth round. The risk and reward is just not there for me. So it's just tough. It's a really tough position and it's a really tough place to take a guy. And you could probably see a, a real talented guy go ten to fifteen just because of what we've just you know just said. Um, yeah. Getting to the last guy of today is Will Hernandez from UTEP, another guard ranked fairly high. I've seen him as high as thirty to forty uh, over you know overall six three three thirty, just solid player. UTEP, are you worried at all about the competition? What can you tell us about Will Hernandez?
1: Yeah, you always have to worry about the competition a little bit. You saw it on the other side of the ball with Marcus Davenport, where people are already kind of seeing the tape and being like, these aren't really like real guys we're playing against He's playing against Sunbelt guys. And especially if you're talking in the trenches, I do think that that's a concern in terms of just the, the level of athlete isn't even close. And especially on defensive lines, the difference between an SAC defensive tackle and a, a Sunbelt, you know, Mountain West uh, defensive tackle is, is just enormous just in terms of their physical size. That said, Will Hernandez went to the senior ball and just mauled people. He looked great. It's going to be a great run blocker. Um, he His comparison is people keep saying Richie Incognito. They say he's the same guy. Yep. Uh, a touch short lacks the arm length. That's why he's playing guard. But he's already big enough to do it. You know, Maybe the competition was a little small. But 6'3", 330 is right there as far as what you want. And I think that if we move to more of a – sort of, you know, got out of the zone and started running the ball, uh, you know, w- with a gap scheme, I do think that, um, it would be really awesome to see will Hernandez and C- incognito and whoever playing center, just mauling defensive lines and
0: presum- presumably grow in that scenario.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, I think that y- y- it's, you know, he's going to drop a little, he's not, I don't think he's going to be a first round pick. Cause I just. I think people like a certain amount of athletic talent to pass blocking talent, which he might lack too, which, you, uh, yeah, he, it's definitely, you know, the, the less good of the, of the two aspects, but uh, you know, cause you, they want athletes and they want people who can protect the quarterback and I don't think he's going to have a problem with it. I think he's going to be a good solid player. I think um, whatever team drafts him is going to be happy with it. And I think that'll probably happen in the second round. I, I I've seen, you know, third round two, But I do think that the senior bowl performance against bigger time athletes, not that the defensive line class was amazing at, um, at the senior bowl, but I do think just showing yourself against SEC, ACC sort of talents and coming out is the best guard there. And there were guys that were there like win and, uh, Wyatt Teller was another guy that was probably ranked ahead of him at that point in the process. um, And he just really showed himself to be to really be able to hang with these guys right
0: i just i think there's six solid guys that we talked about today that can range anywhere obviously you know some in the top 10 but that we've ranged in position group but there's going to be four or five out of these six that are long-term careers right and i mean just really good interior offensive line group normally we wouldn't have a ton to talk about today but a lot of good players this year and you know the bills could find themselves needing to play in this market a little bit, especially if they stand pat and don't trade up, or maybe trade back or do something like that, and have a bunch of picks. This is a position group to definitely target with. I'd love to take away one of these guys and on a sec on a second round pick deal. Um, yeah,
1: I was I didn't go into this like extremely excited to look at into offensive line guys. It's never super fun to go and draft one. You'd rather just go and get a receiver, but these guys are so necessary. And when you, when I ended up looking through it, I, I started thinking about the ways we could move around our line, whether we would keep Miller and DeCasse, uh, you know, how we would slot in Groy if we're going to at all. And I started thinking, and I was just like, man, you, you know if you get a guaranteed starter, like you just have to do it. And I think the second round would be a really, a really good place for most of these guys who would be available there. Right.
0: And, I, and like I said, I don't love taking one top 10, you know, four to eight range, but I just love taking one in the fifties, forties, fifties, depending on where you're picking that. You have a rock solid guy for five years, three years, even six years, somewhere around there. Yeah. I just, it's, that's a really good pick compared to guys who may never even play a second round picks or not good. Um, so, you know, you have a guy that plays forever. I mean, Eric Wood was a first, late first round pick. He was worth it to me. You know, after you look at it, one of the longest tenured guys, put yeah. in a late first, worth that, went right where he should have, and ended up proving 10 year veteran, proving his worth on his draft pick status. I mean, that's just what you're looking for. And, and this draft has a lot of those
1: guys who made follow Eric Wood's footsteps in uh, that type of player. I do think that it's, especially because, you know, I had gone through this exercise on Wednesday with Nate as far as. Who are the free agents out there? And you you get your Norwells who are going to just get paid a boatload of money. And then after that, you see maybe three or four guys worth starting.